Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Good afternoon and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Friday edition of WRSU, The Crew. I'm Jake Maystell alongside Dylan Allen, Dylan McCoy, Brett Hahn, and John shadowing with us today. Two weeks ago, we pronounced the Rutgers men's basketball season over. And two weeks later, they have rattled off four straight victories against ranked opponents. And, I mean, it probably speaks for itself, but I think we're all just as shocked as everybody else Guys, I'll start with you, Dylan McCoy. What are your thoughts on this run so far? Uh, McCoy, I just step away real quick, but as the other Dylan, I'll I'll step in real right. quick. Dylan um, Allen, what's your thoughts? Thoughts? Uh, I am I'm super excited. I think like every other fan, just super psyched to be watching some winning basketball and not just any winning basketball. I mean, beating legitimate teams that we thought Rutgers was like in games where Rutgers would be outmatched or we thought maybe you know they'd have a little bit of trouble and we gave them some credit for it being a home game but right now they've proven that they are one of the hottest teams in the country and I'm not even going to say Big Ten I'm just going to say in the country let alone I mean they're beating top 15 teams left and right and you know they're I mean, the past two or the one against Illinois and Michigan State were it, it almost looked like a piece of cake for them Ohio State came down to the end and, and Wisconsin they, they were pretty much leading that whole game and then towards the, a little bit towards the end of the second half, back and forth. But I don't know. McCoy's back. I mean, Dylan, it's it's been pretty just dominating basketball from Rutgers. It's getting me excited. I'm sure they're getting you very oh, uh, hyped. Absolutely. You know, uh, every game, if I'm not there with WRSU, I'm in my living room, uh, you know, screaming my brains out like I'm same, at Tracy Mike's Arena. But, yeah, you know, this team has, has done everything that it, they've needed to do. Uh, it seems like at different points of this season, they've been strong offensively and then weak defensively. And then at other points, they've been strong defensively, weak offensively. And this last month, they've just really been putting it together. You know, guys are taking good shots. And, and on defense, I mean, Caleb McConnell is the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. And, and you can't, and you can't, I'm not be. biased. You can't convince me otherwise. He's got 100%. Be. It was his fourth uh, Wisconsin or excuse me, Illinois was his fourth game in a row with four steals. Like, abso- absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, just just a really good effort. And this team is, they're one game out of the big, of being in first place in the Big Ten. Like, if you would have told me that any time before three weeks ago, I would have said you're crazy. If you would have told me that at the beginning of the year, I, I mean, I probably would have called you a little crazy. I mean, that's kind of something that Rutgers, I'll, I'll kick it to you, Brett, but this, it's kind of something Rutgers isn't really used to talking about. No, I agree. And like and like Dylan McCoy is saying, like even a few weeks ago, we were kind of questioning whether this team would even make it to the tournament. And now after all these statement wins, you know, we, we have a whole new attitude on the team. On the Tuesday crew, when we were interviewing Paul Mulcahy, the main thing that we tried to hone in on was the fact that they were shooting the ball a lot better and whether that was something that would stick out as part of their game plan going forward. And they've just been shooting the lights out of the ball, consistently making their three-pointers, getting good shots, spreading the ball around, not settling for any isolation looks. And the results have shown in the win column, and they're playing much better team basketball as a result. Yeah, and, you know, I think we all talk about how amazing Paul Mulcahy has been, you know, since the Northwestern game, how he's just really stepped up as a scorer. But I I want to talk about another guy, a guy who probably isn't impressing too many people, but I think his performance has been pretty notable. How about Geo Baker? You know, also about that Northwestern game, that was the game where Geo Baker had a goose egg on the scoreboard and everybody was talking about it. You know, where is he? Why isn't he scoring points? He comes out of that game and he has been right hot. He's a big part of the reason why they won four straight particularly against ranked opponents. I mean, you know, Paul Mulcahy stepping up as a score is a big thing, but Geo Baker, when they were on that run in 2019-2020 that would have made the tournament, he was the guy that was leading them to all those wins at home, and he's a big part of leading them to these wins now. It's a shame we didn't see him a little earlier in the season, but I think right now he's coming on at the right time, and if he can keep it up, they can keep it up. I mean, could they beat Purdue a second time this season, five straight? I mean, it's definitely possible. And and like you were saying about Geo Baker, I mean, he won Big Ten Player of the Week uh, for his performances against Ohio State and Wisconsin. He was the first guy to do it since Geo Baker did it last March, you know. 
since he's been here, he's been the guy. Uh, I think this year and last year especially, uh, Ron has been you know more of the scorer, but the heart and soul guy is Geo Baker. And, I mean, if they can beat Purdue, I mean, like they've shown us that they can when the team was, I would say, fundamentally worse than they are now in the middle of December when they beat them on the biggest upset in this program's history, you know, when Purdue was number one in the country and Ron made that amazing shot and made it to his 9 a.m. the day after. I'll still never forget being in class with him and being like, how how are you here? <laughs> but um, the, the, only, the only thing is, like, going to Purdue, you know, if, if we're talking about best atmospheres in the country, you know, Jersey Mike's Arena is up there. Mackey Arena is up there, too. Mm-hmm. They pack that place. It is going to be – it's a tough place to play. Purdue is 14-1 and at home this season. Uh, they've looked a little shaky recently. They lost to, I believe – Michigan and they had a close game with another team that is like lower in the Big Ten standings, but ultimately, like it's going to be a tough game. But if Rutgers plays the way that they have the past couple weeks, there's no reason why they can't win that game. And if they win that game, it's very possible that Rutgers Penn State at the end of the season is for the Big Ten championship, which would be the biggest atmosphere that this program has seen in 30 years since they played Penn State for the Atlantic Ten championship. It would be unrivaled. And correct me if I'm wrong. The last time was it the last time Rutgers played at Purdue? It, they won that game that cap off the season, right, to solidify yes. March Madness. Yes. Was that the year? That that was the year where it, it never happened. But that was the year where Rutgers, G, uh, led by Jacob Young at the time, and, and Geo Baker as well. Geo Baker had 19 points. He was yes. the leading scorer. That but, is that is the game where Jacob Young dunked Matt Harms uh, all the way to Utah to go play for BYU. Yes. Oh my so. goodness. Yes. Yes. That. So that. So Rutgers has had success as of late against Purdue. Over the years, I think they're are they four and zero in their last four against Purdue, including this year's win. I think that's something. I, I think Rutgers has done really well against Purdue over the years, but again, this Purdue team is much better than what we've played against in the past. Um, you know, I mentioned that Purdue game from a couple of years ago with the COVID year. That year, Purdue was sixteen and fifteen to finish the year, so they weren't all that special. This year, they're ranked fifth in the country. Uh, I think they only have five losses on the season, and they're atop of the Big Ten. Uh, they're, they're playing very good basketball right now, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough game against them in that tough environment, Mackey Arena. But guys, I don't know about you. At this moment in time, with the way Rutgers has been playing, and Purdue has four losses, by the way, to check on my error there. But with the way Rutgers has been playing, I give them a legitimate chance. And by when I say legitimate, I don't think they're gonna win, but I. I I don't write them off as easily as I would, and I think I give them probably a 25-30% chance to win this game. And, you know, if some of the dominoes fall correctly in your, in your way, you know, there's a good chance, you know, if you get if you get a decent amount of luck in this game, maybe a couple foul calls your way, Rutgers has the, the, the talent to take advantage of that. So I think if you're if you're Purdue, you got to start early and get them out early. You can't let Rutgers linger. Otherwise, they have, I think, a real good chance to win. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, I was looking at their recent performances, you know, just to just to check and make sure. So their last three games, uh, they so four games ago, they beat Illinois by 16. That's a big win. That's a good win. Uh, Then they go to Michigan last Thursday. They lose by 20, 24. It was 82 to 58. Then they host Maryland, beat them by one point. Yep. Maryland, Maryland at at home. Bottom of the Big Ten standings. Maryland by one point. Yep. Then they go to Northwestern, and I'm not saying Northwestern's a bad team. They beat Rutgers. It's very but, average. But a very average team playing against the number four, five team in the country, they win by six. It's a close game throughout. You know, it, it just seems like, and I don't I don't want to be, like, too much of an idealist, but the dominoes, like you said, are just falling in the right way. Rutgers is hot. Purdue is playing probably their worst stretch of basketball the entire season. I mean, I know they literally won two of those games, but they haven't lost very much, so... And there, there's like if it, like I said before, if Rutgers wins this game, they have a great chance of winning the Big Ten. Which, you know, everyone up until about two games ago, it wasn't even it was a question of whether they were going to make the NCAA tournament. It was mostly they're not going to. And now you know it looks like they are going to. And now they have a chance to you know possibly be one of the better teams in the Big Ten. So you have to wonder like what that's going to do to their seeding. Because how do you how are you going to seed this team? Who metric still says is the 68th best team in the country. I know you you had your rant about net, and I would agree with yep. many parts of it. It's got to be a big question 
for the selection committee, how do you see the team that has these quad three losses that you value very highly, but also has all these quad one wins and is the top team in the top conference in the country? Like, I'll just say this right now. You're telling me if this was Duke basketball, they would be in the sixties? Yeah, okay. I don't and they could have they could have lost to Lafayette back in November. If this was Duke, they'd be ranked already, just because it's Duke. I, that, that wasn't even a part of the rant that I had, but it just it just occurred to me because Rutgers isn't that name brand. If, right. if Duke was winning Money five... Money talks everywhere, yeah. especially in sports. Yeah, so. I mean, Duke has all the prospects. They have the Nike deal. I mean, they have Mike Krzyzewski, his last year. I mean, do you really think they'd keep Duke out of March Madness because of some loss back in November if they were playing like this in his last year coaching? No. So it's just a pile of garbage to me. And the fact that a team like Penn State at one point was five or four spots higher than us... You know, after we had beaten Michigan State by 20-plus points, and we were in the 90s, they were in the upper 80s, and that's a joke to me. And so I, I won't rant about the net right now. I, I already did that, been there, done that. But, Brad, I just want to hear what you have to say because I think, I mean, it's crazy to think about this. If Rutgers wins this game, they move to 11-5 and in the conference. Purdue moves to 12-5. and Rutgers then holds the tiebreaker over Purdue, Having swept them both, or having swept them both times they've played, then you got to think too. Their next home game against Wisconsin, if they're able to win that, now they hold the tiebreak over Wisconsin as well. Purdue and Wisconsin are both atop the Big Ten standings. If it comes down to a tie there, Rutgers would pretty much just jump Purdue and Wisconsin solely because they hold the tiebreaker. So these games are very important if they want to win the you know the Big Ten title uh, in terms of regular season. Absolutely, and this is just as critical of a stretch. As when we were talking about this like four weeks ago, like it, this whole ranked slate, you know, at the very beginning of it, we were like, okay, like, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get like a win or two out there. The goal is to get the 12, right? Now we're on the fast track to that. It's like you were saying, you know, it'd be 11 and five if they win. That And Purdue, they have a very good opportunity at doing so. The last time out, they didn't even have Geo Baker. Still shot 52.1% from the field, 50% from the three-point line. Now, a lot of that was off of Ron Harper's amazing 30-point game. But in these past few weeks, we've been seeing contributions from the other guys. Gio coming back and finding his shot. Cliff Amore having a good impact on both sides of the ball. Paul Mulcahy finding his shot. The guys off the bench like Dean Reber, uh, occasionally Oscar Palmquist, Malat Mag, just finding their groove. And this is all happening at the right time. So I don't, so I don't see if, if they continue you know, to play like they have in the last few weeks. I don't see it how they wouldn't beat Purdue on Sunday. Now, I'm not putting that in as a lock. I don't want to jinx them. I'm known for jinxing teams, so, <laughs> so, so I'm not going to say anything. But just looking at the box score at, at from the last game, like there's so much potential to be had this Sunday for Rutgers to come out on top and just so many things they had this week that they didn't have the last time they played. Now, hey. Dylan Allen, I just want you to tell me one more time, what – what percentage did you give Rutgers to maybe win this game against Purdue? 25 to 30. Yeah, that's still pretty generous considering what ESPN is predicting. They're predicting Rutgers at a 7.1% chance of winning yeah, that game. The BPI, yeah, that they go that 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 statistic goes off the points per game for like the leading scores. I listen, I know it's I I think a 70-30 split's pretty fair. I mean, I'm giving Purdue a lot of credit. This is a team we already beat. And I know it was against the half-court shot, heave at home, right? But, I mean, Rutgers is probably 10 times better of a team than when they beat Purdue. Maybe not 10, maybe like five times. They're much better than they were then. Yeah. So I'm giving Purdue a lot of credit here. And McCoy mentioned they haven't been playing that well as of late, especially at home. Um, so I think this is the perfect time for Rutgers to really take advantage of that, Jake. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I don't really understand, you know, really counting out Rutgers in this game, especially when they've been so hot and Purdue's really not been hot. Like, they've been winning, but not a lot. But I want to bounce off something Dill McCoy said, you know, talking about where do you seed this team if they make the NCAA tournament? And I, I think that's, that's an interesting question because, for me, do you seed them based on their quad one wins and, you know, see them low and say, okay, you're going to play a big opponent. You got to prove it in your first game in the tournament. Or do you see them middle, maybe even a little high and say, you got to prove it against a little opponent, prove you can actually beat them? 
Well, I mean, if you're talking about seeding, it really, it really does depend on where the end of the season goes. Because I mean, right now, uh, I think I saw Joe Lenardi put them at a 12, and they'd have to play SMU. Like they were, they, they were one of the last four in, and they had to play SMU in like a playing game, like in the first four. Um, obviously, that's right now. If they beat Purdue, they probably go to like a nine, maybe an eight. They might be ranked if they. They're probably ranked if they beat Purdue. To be quite honest, I mean, they received. Uh, 10 votes last week, and it was the equivalent of being 34th in the country. So, you know, they beat Purdue, they're ranked. Uh, they'll probably be an 8 or a 7. And, you know, if you finish the regular season at the at the top or in the top three of the Big Ten and, you know, win a conference win a conference tournament game or two, th- this Rutgers could potentially be a, a 5 or a 4 seed. I know that seems kind of far-fetched right now, but making the tournament seemed far-fetched three weeks ago. So... You know, it's all it's all still in the air. Like this team has absolutely everything to play for. It it's all it's all gonna depend on when do they stop playing like this. Yeah. Cause I, I think I think the consensus is they can't do this forever. No, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to be negative because it's been amazing. Like they're a very talented team. But the one thing that I would say about them right now is that they still have this lack of depth. Like they, they have Maybe three, three guys who can make a big impact coming off the bench, which is not like, and and it's not anyone like Jacob Young who is scoring like fourteen off the bench, right? As when Rutgers was making their tournament runs, like uh, Dean Reber can come in, put in some good minutes. Andre High can come in, put in some good minutes. You know, Jaden Miller, Mag defensively, but I mean, it, Mil- the Miller's the same way. It's, that's it's pretty much it. That's yeah. pretty much it, though. But you know, it, we'll have to see. They have everything to play for. That's that's basically what I'm trying to say. They have everything to play for. They have nothing to lose. They're playing with house money. They are playing with house money. They they shouldn't have like it's hard to believe that they're even here right now. They had yeah. they went from what could have been one of the most disappointing seasons in recent memory to what could be one of the most accomplished seasons ever for this team, ever for this program. Um and the next few weeks are going to play a big part of that. Um I just want to I want to bring this up. I don't because we talked about the net already. I just I had to look up the recent the recent numbers here. Um, Rutgers, just so you guys know, Rutgers is at the seventy four mark as we speak. Can anyone give me a guess at where Northwestern is? And I'll give you I'll give you their record. So Forty two. So no, they're not they're not that dumb. But right, they, but okay, okay. they're not that dumb. But I'll give you their records and I'll let you guess. They're eleven and twelve overall. They are three and five on the road, one and one in neutral site games. Fine. They're seven and six at home, one and ten in the quad one games, three and zero oh, quad two, two and two quad three, and they're five and zero oh in quad four. They're gonna be higher than Rutgers. Yes. Where'd you say Rutgers? Seventy four. Seventy four. I'll say fifty eight. Okay. I was gonna say around fifty five. Okay, Jake. Um. I'm thinking, yeah, somewhere around there, like 56. 56. Okay, you said uh, you said 58, McCoy? Yes, I did. You were the closest. They're 65. They're almost 10 spots higher than Rutgers. And what yeah. have they done all year? Yeah. I mean... Other than barely beat Michigan State at home. Whoop, so, big whoop. That's their one quad one win. What I will say is, I understand that losing to the 300th best team in the country is not a good look. I, I totally get that. Yeah. But at the same time... If you're the selection committee, Four it, months it has to... It, okay, that's what it's exactly what I'm saying. If you're the selection committee, the eye test has to be a part of it. Like, I think analytics are good. I think we all can agree. Sports being analytical is not a bad thing. That's something that older people say because they don't like analytics, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, I digress. But it has to be a combination. Like, you can't look at this team and tell me that they're the same team that lost to Lafayette and UMass because that's, that's physically incorrect. For one thing, Geo Baker's healthy. Yes, that's that's the the littlest thing. But Geo Baker is healthy. He was not healthy at that stretch of games. He was dealing with a hamstring injury a lot earlier in the season, and you know, every everyone is playing miles better. Paul McKay, he's playing some of the best basketball of his college career. You know, he over really the past is. Month. The team is so much different, and you know, I, I think now the the committee is starting to understand it. I don't really think that unless Rutgers goes winless over these next few games, unless they go winless. Till the end of the regular season, and right. they don't win their conference tournament game, then maybe they wouldn't get in. But I think at this point they've overcome that. Like their resume is too. They have six quad one wins. I think like five other schools in the country have six quad one wins. 
They've all they're been right overranked opponents. They're doing it in the Big Ten, which is the best conference of college basketball. Maybe sans the SEC, but that's a discussion for another time. Um, but th- you can't you can't leave this team out. You you simply cannot do it. And now, I'll, I'll bring up one more team real quick. Not I not to not to keep pounding on the net here, but I mean Oklahoma State is at fifty two, so that's twenty three spots higher than Rutgers. They're twelve and thirteen. How do you put an under five hundred team twenty spots higher? Than Rutgers. It makes zero sense. See, that reminds me of when Oklahoma State didn't get in that year and Oklahoma did get in when Oklahoma State beat them. Yeah. I I don't that was it was the year Trey Young was at Oklahoma. I remember that. And I don't know like like the metrics don't make sense sometimes. Like they they're <laughs> they're out of whack. So listen, I, I, I just hope the committee doesn't rely too much on this because I mean some of it like I, I like I'm not gonna totally discredit it because there is some to gain from it, but if you're the committee and you go well, I'm not saying they will. Well, Rutgers based off this web metrics, you know they're 55, so we or you know they're 60, so I don't think so. Like I think you're right, McCoy. The eye test has to play some part there, and I don't know. I mean, how about you just go interview? all the Big Ten coaches around the league and ask them if they want to play Rutgers. And when they all tell you no, I mean, that's probably a good enough answer for you too, right? I mean, like, hey, uh, what if we scheduled a a game between you guys and Rutgers at the rack? No, please. No, thank you. Like, oh, at the the rack? No Yeah, no thanks. We'll we'll pass. You know, we'll go play. If they played the NCAA tournament at the rack, Rutgers would have six national championships. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. That's that's just how it is. You know, they'd make some pretty good runs. I will say that much. But it's just... I don't know. The net rankings, they just they tick me off, man. Imagine, though, a national championship at Jersey Mike's Arena. That that tiny little arena shaped like a trapezoid. Yeah, oh that would be goodness. a disservice to college basketball. Be, being <laughs> only able to – I mean, not like the atmosphere, but only being able to have 8,000 people at your national championship game would be uh, – Like, they have these things at football stadiums. Now I'm just trying to imagine, like, 100,000 people packed into that little place. <laughs> It would literally have to be like a soccer match where like the stands were too filled and you had to have people like standing on like the edge of like the the area of play. It's true. It'd be ridiculous, but I felt look, I mean, going back going back to Rutgers basketball, I mean look, like if, if we just keep putting up these performances, how long will it be until they finally stop sleeping on our ranking and they give us proper attention that we deserve right yeah I, I i mean it gets to a point and i completely agree with you i mean and this even goes for like other college sports where like the ranking system is flawed i mean you could talk about this in college football all day long but but again you know that's something that i'm not going to bring up here because it's off topic <laughs> but you know just h- how many how many more is it going to take until we finally get proper recognition you know and, and having that underdog status is, is pretty cool you know to see at the same time so I think it keeps, and i'm I sure think it's something they're they're reveling into at the moment it definitely fuels them too, which is like keeps like they play with a chip on their shoulder. So that, I think that's one other thing. And the one year where the tournament got canceled, that's that was kind of the motto. Like I remember, it was kind of like now, like for weeks we were saying like rank us, rank us, rank us. We kept getting good wins, and then eventually it happened. Right, I think they got ranked that year. Not too sure, but then they kind of fell out of the rankings. But like it, it was kind of similar to that year where the team was playing with a chip on their shoulder. Although the team this year is much better than that year, the the, the the difference is this team is beating teams they least to the to the casual fan they're not supposed to win, and, and in that year they were winning games they were supposed to win. So like all those road games this year, like against Minnesota, Northwestern, like those were the games they would win, and the games against Illinois at home they would lose by like two points, and they you know they'd be closer, they'd get one win here and there, right? That's the difference between that team and this team. This team's winning you big games. You mean the 2019-2020 uh, Yes, team? the year that the uh, They only got lost canceled. to Michigan at home. They didn't lose No, no, home. I know, but I'm saying, like, in terms of, um, whatchamacallit, or was it maybe last year I'm trying to think of? I think that was probably last year where they was it last lost year? to Illinois, but they were beating the team they should beat. Yeah, like, one of the one of the years the team, they like, they really weren't beating. I mean, they were beating good teams, but they, it, it's not, it has not come to this level. Blo- bloating their I will say. win their win column with you know all the wins you're supposed to get, but not really enough of the wins that you want to have but aren't really supposed to get, which they've been doing this year, but somehow not really winning the games. Well, you're now don't forget. To win. Now I think I was right. I think I was right 
in the year I was saying because they won all the games at home. They went like eighteen and one, but they yeah. were like one and eight on the road. Yeah, and everyone and everyone was like, this team could make the 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 tournament if they could just win on the road. And that's why that Purdue game at the end of the year was so big because it was like that that road win that they just needed to get in at least. And then, you know, win a couple of games at the Big Ten tournament probably didn't hurt either. But I think I was right. By meaning getting the job done, they won their home games. Yeah, but when it yeah. came to the road games, they just didn't show up at all. Yeah, and this like year you're seeing kind of a balance. Wins, but other than Purdue and, like, maybe a couple other, I don't remember, it was like two years ago. But they they uh, they weren't really getting it done on the road until that last game of the season against Purdue that went to overtime. And, I mean, we could talk about that team for hours and how – if there had been an NCAA tournament that year, they would have made it, and who knows how far they would have gotten in it. But, I mean, I think you're right. This team is better than that one. Right now, they're playing better. And, I mean, I think if they make the NCAA tournament this year, they could go farther than they did last year. They could get to the Sweet 16. I'll say it until the end of time. Uh, we when we lost to Houston, that should have been us getting blown out by Baylor in the Final Four. Yeah, it really but, should have been. <laughs> but before we go to break, I just want to plug. Obviously, uh, we're gonna have coverage of the game here on Sunday on WRSU FM, New Brunswick. So be sure to be here for that. One of the biggest games for Rutgers this season. One of the biggest games for Rutgers in the past few years. But with that, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to have Richie Schneiderite call into the show after this to discuss the interesting uh, Twitter war going on between the Rutgers football program as Fran Brown leaves for Georgia. Tyquan Underwood just left for Pitt as well. And we're back here on the Friday edition of The Crew here on WRSU FM New Brunswick. Dylan Allen, uh, Brett Hahn, Jake Mysell joined by myself, Dylan McCoy. And now we have our guest, Richie Schneider. Richie is the publisher of Rutgers Rivals, a Heisman Trophy and Ray Guy Award voter. Richie, how are you doing today? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Obviously, the first question we want to ask you, uh, Fran Brown taking a secondary job with Georgia, uh, the reigning national champions, you know, a, a big loss, one of the elite recruiters in the country. Uh, what do you think Rutgers' first step is going to be to replace him, and how do you think, yeah, what is their first step going to be to replace him, and how do you think, how fast do you think that's going to happen? Man, you, you guys give me these loaded ones all the time. Um, yeah, so I, I guess the first thing you got to do is um, you got to kind of just see who's interested and then kind of see who is a mutual interest. Um, there's a couple names I've already put out there. Um, from what I've been told, it sounds like it's actually a done deal already and they have someone already hired. I don't have a specific name yet, but, uh, if you look at our hot board, we got guys like former Rutgers DB, David Rowe, um, who else off the top of my list? Um, Azir, Azir Abdul Rahim out of Boston college is another name to watch out for Ross Douglas, a former Rutgers guy, player and coach now with the Patriots. So, I mean, it, it sounds like this is going to, like happened pretty quickly and uh it sounds like greg kind of knew this was coming eventually so he ha- kind of had his list ready to go obviously fran was a candidate for the temple joe the temple head coaching job not too long ago uh so i mean it's not like this kind of came out of nowhere we kind of knew fran was eventually going to leave and eventually get a promotion somewhere else yeah and obviously you know this is uh another Rutgers staff turnover we obviously saw Tyquan Underwood take the wide receiver job at Pitt this uh this offseason and it seems that these moves inspired a tweet from uh former Rutgers defensive end CJ Onyeki who tweeted all the real ones left real recognize real uh Muhammad Ture responded to that but what did you make of that obviously you know it was just a little bit confusing to see uh Onyeki say something like that but what, what was your thought process on that whole on that whole thing I think it's all just kind of nonsense. At the end of the day, I think Onyechi, I hate to be it, hate to say it, kind of seems a little salty because he did lose his spot as a defensive end to other guys. And then you saw the quote tweet from Mohamed Saray that you just mentioned. He said, real one's still here uh, for, what was it, forever 10 toes or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's all just Twitter nonsense. It's everyone just hyping stuff up. Uh, it obviously started with the Taekwondo Underwood tweet of uh, the haters at the funeral meme. Um, but that obviously spiraled into something else. And at the end of the day, there, there's going to, no one's going to be a, no player is going to be totally satisfied with their play if they're not playing at the end of the day. I know that sounds like a weird sentence to say, but if you're not going to get on the field, I guess you kind of get a little mad at the coaches, whether it be 
um, a former player or, or whatever. And yes, he transferred, obviously, so that's kind of why I think it's a little bit of a, a salty tweet from him, if you want me to be honest. Yeah, and I got to, I mean, Fran Brown has been leading the way for, he's been the main contributor to recruiting for Rutgers in past seasons and could be one of the main contributors to this big class coming up. I mean, what, what kind of an impact do you see his absence in the team going forward, you know, in terms of recruiting and the classes in the future? Um, I think right away you got to look at the 2022 class that just signed. I think uh, out of, what, was it seven four-stars it was? I think he was the main recruiter for three or four of them between Sam Brown, Amarion Brown, Kenny Fletcher, Anthony Johnson, Moses Walker. That, that's five right there. Um, so I think they're definitely going to take a little bit of a hit when it comes to South Jersey, Philly area kids. Although they do have Demir Shaw, who is a Philly guy. And I think eventually he will be able to um, get up to the level of Fran Brown as a recruiting ace. But uh, he is very young. He's still learning. So he's gonna, it's going to take time to get there. But uh, I think right away you're going to see a little bit of a hit in South Jersey. Um, and, you know, just another question. Uh, what, how do you think Rutgers um, transitions? You know, obviously you mentioned the class of 2022, but for future classes, do you think that there's a member of the current staff who is, you know, going to take a step up and become more of a main recruiter? I don't know if they have anyone who can measure up because, you know, obviously Fran Brown, if you talk to coaches around the country, he's considered one of the elite recruiters uh, in the nation. But do you think there's another member of the Rutgers staff currently who's, you know, going to kind of take that step up? Um, in terms of the defensive side of the ball, you mean? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just because obviously Gleason does his thing with quarterbacks already. Um, it's pretty clear there. But uh, in terms of the defensive side of the ball, uh, I, I think Marquise Watson is just a heck of a recruiter. He's a guy that not many people are familiar with yet, but they better get familiar with him soon because he's going to be like this recruiting ace for these guys. He's got relationships throughout the entire country, especially in New Jersey area, being a New Jersey guy himself. Um, he's a big reason why they got Taiwan Malone down in Ole Miss, a big reason why Igbenosin did end up committing to Ole Miss. Yes, they tried to flip him last second, obviously. But at the end of the day, the Partridge relationship there was the deal maker. But, uh, yeah, I think Marquise Watson is going to be a heck of a guy. Um, he's already doing pretty well with Sadir Mitchell, who's a, a four-star defensive tackle out of Bergen Catholic and one of the top kids in New Jersey's 2023 class. Um, there, there's a couple other names on our message boards that we mentioned, but I think Marquise Watson has the potential to be one of the best recruiters in, uh, in recent history for Rutgers. Hey, Jake Mistel here. Um, I'm also wondering, you know, so with Fran Brown now heading down to Georgia, what does this mean, you know, for next season and onward for Rutgers defensive performance? What do you think this means? Um, I don't know if Fran had that much, uh, I guess in terms of play calling abilities, it's more of a, it was more towards the DC. And I think that's where a guy like Joe Harris, Simiak, who, uh, we've talked to a couple of his uh, former colleagues that have raved about his in-game uh, his in-game adjustments when it comes to calling plays and stuff, whether that be at Maine or even at uh, Minnesota a little bit this past season. So I think he's going to actually be the main factor there in terms of uh, turning around this, or not even turning around this defense, taking it to that next level. And I think uh, you're going to see a lot of in-game adjustments, I think, between whether that be halftime after the first quarter, a lot of scheme adjustments. I know they ran a ton of nickel last year. I expect that to kind of be the same, but I do think they're going to get a lot more blitzes in this this season with uh, Harris Simiak running the show over there. Um, and then just transitioning a little bit, Rutgers, they hosted um, a lot of recruiting targets. The contact period uh, ended on uh, January 31st. They have the, the quiet period coming up on March 1st. Um, you know, were there any prospects that you – um, that you saw that Rutgers had that really impressed you. You know, obviously, uh, Sadir Mitchell Jr. was one of them, the Bergen Catholic defensive tackle. Musa uh, Kane was someone. I mean, Musa Kane specifically mentioned Farron Brown, but was there another target that you saw that you that you were really impressed that Rutgers got? Do you think Rutgers has a real good chance at landing? Um, like I said before, I do, I do think they have a pretty good shot at Sadir Mitchell. Obviously, he's a ton of offers. Um, he's got Penn State. Uh, I forget. There's a bunch of SEC offers as well. Um, they're doing very well with Chase DeSantis, too, who is the number one kid in New Jersey in this class. Um, still a long way for his recruitment until that, uh, until he's anywhere near a decision. But the fact that they were able to get him on campus a couple more times is, is very big. They landed. They actually do have one 2023 commit currently in John Stone, who we just ranked as uh, the number seven kid in the state of New Jersey. And that's, that's their lone commit in this class, but it's a heck of a commit to start off with. 
Um, other than those kind of those big names, there's there's a couple others like uh, Dylan Fontis out of New York, um, Jimmy Mullen, who doubles as a wrestling uh, recruit as well, who I know uh, the wrestling staff is very hard after right now. Um, like like you said, Musa Kane's another one. Um, off the top of my head, I think that's that's kind of about it right now. There's it's kind of very quiet right now because this dead period's in effect. But uh, I expect things to kind of ramp up over. What, what is it? I think it ends on the 25th, 26th or something like that. I think things are going to start ramping up after that. And then, obviously, uh, you know, we asked you a lot of football questions, but, you know, transitioning, uh, Rutgers basketball going through a real amazing stretch, you know. Um, what has been your thoughts? Have you been able to make it out to Jersey Mike's Arena for these last few games? You know, what has it been like kind of kind of seeing this team transform from, you know, hopefully getting into the NIT to probably a uh, lock for the NCAA tournament at this point? Yeah, I'm going to have to eat a little bit of crow on this one. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think when they lost that Maryland game and then they lost the Northwestern one, I, I think I posted on the boards like, oh, this doesn't, I don't think they're getting in. I think this is it. Like, I, I think I actually, the exact quote was like, that's a wrap. And yeah, I guess um, I definitely have to eat some crow on this one. But I did not expect four Q1 wins in a row. It's been pretty insane so far to watch. Um, potentially five if they uh, beat Purdue on Sunday. Uh, I think. They're very. They're probably in right now, but I, I, I do have to say I don't think it's a hundred percent a lock. I think they have to keep the pedal on the floor, or keep the pedal to the floor right now, and just keep trying to chug along a couple more wins. I think you at least have to win two more at the very least in order to guarantee the bid. Um, but even then, it's not even a lock just because that <laughs> it seems like the net rankings kind of screwing them over at this point. Now you say you think they got to win two more. Are there any two opponents left on their schedule that you think they need to be more than others or just any two would be fine? Uh, I, I think you can't afford to lose against Penn State. I, they're like a Q3 right now. I think they're in the 80s when it comes to net ranking. So that, that would drastically hurt their chances. You can't afford that loss. And then I guess if you could just snag any of the other four, ideally Indiana is probably the easiest one. Plus it's a road game, and I do think that NCAA and the net tend to favor uh, – road wins more than home wins, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you win two more and then, like, probably get a, I would say, one win in the Big Ten tournament at least, and I, I, I think you're in. It's uh, I'm looking at brackets right now. They have, like, the websites that all track them. I think out of the 115 brackets that are out there right now, or projections are, that are out there right now, I think Rutgers is in only 13 to 14 of them. So this, this is far from a done deal, but... What an incredible run, and if they can keep this up, there's no reason why they they can't turn this into a run in the tournament as well. All right, Richie. Well, that'll do it. We appreciate the time, and we hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Go Rutgers on Sunday. Yeah, I'll see you guys soon. All right, thank you very much. That was Richie Schneider, right, publisher of Rutgers Rivals, here with you on WRSU FM. After this quick break, we will have locks of the week up next for you. Welcome back to WRSU The Crew Friday Edition. We have Locks of the Week where we make our picks that we are going to guarantee will happen for, I guess, this weekend and give you just overall betting advice, which you probably shouldn't take because we're usually wrong. I you think. know, you know, Jake, it's funny you say that because the last time I remember you say you said that, it was it was most definitely a Friday crew. I think David was on with us, and you took Auburn as your lock, the money line. And David and I were laughing because we're like, you have to put like $1,000 to win a dollar on that game because they were like 20-point favorites. But I tell you what, whoever they played, Auburn won by one point. Well, they, there you go. So, you know what? And, and I remember because you said, fine, just do the opposite. And I tell you what, that almost hit, and I'm sure they were like plus 400 odds, that other team. I couldn't tell you who they beat, That was though. Georgia, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. So that just, that's what that reminded me of when you said don't listen to us. Well, speaking of basketball and locks of the week, while we don't have any NBA go- games going on because it is now officially the All-Star break, we do have some All-Star game festivities going on, particularly the Slam Dunk Contest, which you can bet on. Um, the participate the participants in the Slam Dunk Contest are Jalen Green, Obi Toppin, Cole Anthony, and Juan Toscano-Anderson. 
I'm going to make my lock of the week on the NBA Slam Dunk Contest for 2022, and I'm picking Obi Toppin as my lock of the week okay. to win the Slam Dunk Contest. Now, he was the runner-up last year, yes. right, to Anthony Simon yes, as like the point guard? All right, all right. He should have won last year, but... Okay. I think he's going to win this year. He's been insane dunking in actual games, so I think having one dunk contest under his belt already, I think he can uh, impress the judges even more this time around and get it done. It also helps that there, there's going to be a crowd there this time, right? Because I know there be. wasn't last time. but there's gonna Is be there, Are there, there odds on that for the... Uh, there are odds. Um I have CBS Sports up on my phone. They have Obi Toppin plus 175 for the dunk contest. Okay, so he's is he the favorite then? Uh, no, apparently Jalen Green is the favorite, plus 125. Okay, Jalen Green. I feel like I know that name, isn't he? He's uh... a Rockets rookie, second overall pick. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who I was thinking of, uh, I was thinking of somebody else. He did play for the Rockets. He's not... First, he's not a rookie, that's for sure. He's like an older yeah. guy, um, and he used to be pretty good at dunking. I do. Uh, it's gonna kill me though. But but is he still playing? Is he active? I do. I I want to <laughs> think. I want to think that he is. It's something green though, and he used to play for the Rockets. I thought. There's Gerald Green. That's one thing. Yeah, who, Gerald Green. He's a Houston native. He played for us for a while. He's now retired. I mean, he was on our coaching staff. Yeah, Gerald so. Green, thirty six. Yeah, 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 yeah. I th- wasn't he a was he a dunker at all or no? Yeah, I mean he he was most known for that uh, that alley oop windmill slam when he was playing for New Jersey Nets back in the day. Okay. But but he he's been in a few dunk contests. I believe he won one of them, and he's he's very uh, popular in the Houston area because he's from there. He's done good charitable work and he's played for the team during our playoff runs. Yeah, uh, yeah. last few years. So. Yeah, that's that's who I was thinking of. Okay, so Gerald Green, Jalen Green. Okay, so not I don't know too much about Jalen Green. I, I would probably put my money on Obi Toppin, too. Decent odds. I don't, I don't think anyone saw Anthony Simons winning last year, so maybe it's not always the favorite who wins. So It's a good pick, Jake. Good pick. I didn't see you picking the All-Star, though, for uh, the NBA. I did not see that coming. Brett, do you have a, do you have a lock? You want to go next? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm trying to extend my perfect streak here, you know, dating okay. back. Okay, fill, fill us in on the perfect streak, because I'm not always on crew with you, so I course, need to know this. Of course, of course. The so, first I'm hearing of it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the first few games, I, I had a Warriors money line bet when they were completely derailed by injuries against the Spurs. Right. That they ended up winning. Everybody in the studio at the time was, you know, was clowning on me. I, I actually didn't even know that half the guys that were hurt were hurt. <laughs> I, I kind of just saw the Warriors as a plus, and I was like, "Oh, okay, you know, this this will work out." But, but, but as I as I've been saying all all year, if you listen to Tuesday Crew, you know, good teams find a way to win, and the Warriors did just that. And then I, I, I had a couple other like money line bets. I I had you know basically anybody who played Detroit was like <laughs> was like the first two weeks, and then and then last uh, this Tuesday I had a Jalen Brunson player prop. Uh, points and assists. It was over twenty-one and a half. He ended up with nineteen points and six assists. Oh. So he hit that. Um, Let's go. But for, uh, for 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 today, I'm going to change it up a little bit. I've never dove into the NHL before. Like this year, mm-hmm. I, I I dove into mainly basketball, and I did Rafael Nadal to win the the Open. Actually, so th- those are the only two sports I've dived into. But today we're going to go with hockey, and there's a game tonight. Las Vegas or the Los Angeles Kings against the Vegas Golden Knights. I there is a goal scored in the first ten minutes, and the odds on yes are negative one sixty four. So I'm I'm gonna go with yes. There will be a goal a goal scored in the first ten minutes, as my luck. And which game is this again? This is the L.A. Kings against the Vegas Golden Knights tonight at ten, Eastern Standard Time. Ooh, and I will predict that the the Golden Knights will be the one scoring that goal too. They're, they I feel like they're always a good offensive team. In, in recent years, for sure. Not you see, these are two surprising bets. I didn't expect dunk contest, and I definitely didn't expect goal scored in the first ten minutes. Yes or no? I, I definitely those are two bets that you don't see here very often. So and I'll take it. It's it's definitely. it's nice. It's nice. I'm not gonna lie. Jake had me rethinking my my lock after I heard you get bet <laughs> on the dunk contest. I I was going through <laughs> looking for the three point stuff, and I was like, yeah. okay, like if I see something here, that I'm probably gonna. Shout it out, but I, I didn't see anything for it. I only saw a dunk contest, rising stars, which it could really go anyway because they changed the format. 
And then the All-Star game well, props. who's playing in the three-point contest? I have it up here. There's Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard. Patty Mills. Patty Mills, yeah. Um, Trey Young. Trey Young. Van Vliet. Van, Fred Van Vliet. Desmond Bain. No. Zach Levine. CJ McCollum. And Cat. That's your three-point contest. Okay, so Kat I Cat mean, has the worst odds, by the way. I'm not surprised. I Plus mean, 1,200. He, he's a big man, so that, that they usually yeah. make that for a guard favorite event anyway. I mean, that would be really cool to see him win, though. That would be pretty cool. So, so should we should we put just for all of us, Carl uh, Anthony Towns lock of the week win the three point contest? No, but I, what I will say him. is no. what I will say. If you got a couple of bucks that you're just you're willing to bet on something. Pay, put two, three dollars because the payout's good, plus twelve hundred. And I'm not going to say he doesn't have a chance to win. I mean, he's he's a good player, so yeah, I just put a couple bucks there. I mean, that's what I did with the the Aaron Donald Super Bowl MVP last week. I think he was plus twelve hundred or something like that, or, or in or in and around there. I put like five bucks on it, and he probably came in second in voting. So I mean, right behind Cooper Cup, and some people actually could argue. Some people argue that Aaron Donald should have won, but I, I could, I could, I could care. You, you see him, so I you put a couple bucks. You never know. So, but I, I I'm gonna stick with the three point contest. I was able to find some odds on this. I'm gonna go with the favorite. I, I really like Luke Kennard. He might. I just remember watching him from Duke. He's plus four hundred odds. He's the favorite to win, if you'll believe that at plus four hundred. So there's no like real there's no like Clay Thompson or Steph Curry that that would be minus one fifty in this. So it's kind of like an even ground for everybody, at least in my view. So I, I think Luke Kennard has a good year. This is a good year for him to win it. There's no like I said, there's no Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, there's no Clay Thompson in there. That's just gonna clean house and he might get second this year. I think he he's just a really good shooter. I remember him. He has a nice lefty stroke from Duke. So I, I, I and I saw a video the other day on Twitter. He's just draining threes and like warming up for the three point contest. So I don't know. Just I'll take Luke Kennard plus four hundred. I think considering he's the favorite at plus four hundred, you're getting good odds there. I mean that's that's crazy. So plus four hundred Luke Kennard three point contest. I, I mean I agree. This is this is the most wide open three point contest we've had probably in the last four it's years. It's been a while. I I think so. I would have picked Trey Young. Luke Kennard's an interesting. Trey Young doesn't I, strike me favorite? that way though. I don't know. I I mean, a, I'll look up a, Luke a, a lot numbers. of his points go through like you know, the the, the mid range and the off the pick and roll with Clint Capella, so it's kind it's kind of hard to kind of hard to bet on Trey. Kennard is forty five percent shooter from three. Oh, he, this he, year he's been and unbelievable he for the Clippers. Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah, he's Patty he's Mills very good. is a sleeper though. I mean, that's where he gets the majority of his points. Like. Uh, in his in his last night against the Rockets, in 23 minutes, he had 25 points. He went eight for 11 from the floor, eight of the eight, and he went eight of nine from three. I mean, that's ridiculous. Wow. Eight the of Rockets nine defense from three. is just atrocious, though. <laughs> I, like, listen, out I of out of Jay Sean Tate, like that's that's the only quality defender that we have on the roster probably right now. Yeah. No, I mean, the Rockets it's, are not... A, you're a Rockets fan, then? I, I am a Rockets I keep, fan. I keep yeah. hearing we... Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I'm a Rockets fan, unfortunately, but, you know, watching the guys, I think the only consistent defender is Jay Sean Tate, so that's why teams are able to put up, like, 130, 140 sometimes, but they're hovering around, like, I think, like, 116 or 17 points per game allowed, which is by far on the bottom. And here's what's interesting about Kennard. I'm just looking at his career stats. He was originally drafted by Detroit, played three seasons there. Uh, his rookie year, he shot 41.5%. And then the next two years, he's pretty much shot 39 and then 40. And then the two years he's had with the Clippers, he's like at 45. I mean, the numbers just has gone up. So, I don't know. I, I, I like the odds and I like the value for Luke Kennard, plus 400. I, I think he's just a very good shooter. And like you said, Brad, it's the most wide-open one we've had in some time. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about Before we get lost. Welcome back to... The crew, it's time for Can We Just Talk? One of my favorite segments of the afternoon. Dylan Allen, Jake Meisel, Brett Hahn here with you on the airwaves. We just got done talking about Rutgers basketball in the opening segment. Had Richie 
from Rivals on with us talking some Rutgers football, and we just got done with Locks of the Week, gave our betting advice. And I've been told, Brett, you have a topic for us for Can We Just Talk? I do. So, as we all know, the MLB lockout's going on right now. And the last meeting they just had, I believe it was yesterday or the other day, only lasted about 15 minutes. Now, you can make of that of what you will. You know, was it a quick negotiation where they, you know, they needed time to draft the counter argument? Or is progress not being made at all? The MLB did announce a couple hours ago that they pushed back spring training to March 5th, through March 5th. So already you're seeing stuff getting postponed and pushed back and stagnation in a new collective bargaining agreement. Is this something that that you guys see resolving sooner rather than later? Because they did set set a February 28th deadline to agree, but I I, I just have a feeling it's going to go beyond that point and games are going to get cut. Uh, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to be honest. I've been thinking the whole time that we're not going to start the season on time, if at all. There's not going to be spring training. And with the way things are progressing right now, or rather not progressing, it looks like it's certainly going to be that way. The owners and the players have just, they just have such a bad relationship right now, and it's pretty understandable why on both sides. I just can't see it resolving anytime soon they have so much to work out and neither side really wants to compromise right now what about you Dylan yeah I mean I don't know it's it's tricky because I thought I didn't they meet for like 15 minutes the other day and somebody just said an email would have would have done the trick so I, I really don't know where they stand I'll kick this to John he's shadowing with us today and I know he's a big big baseball guy so I, I'll, I'll let him I'll let him shine some light on this for us hey guys it's an honor to be here on the in the air for the first time um, I'm going to go back to last year, right, with Ro- our boy, Robert Manfred, with the COVID ball, right? He's a two-faced snake because last Agreed. year, because... <laughs> Completely agree with you. I'll elaborate, right? Um, during the COVID pandemic, there was talk of, oh, is, is there going to be baseball? Is it not going to be baseball? Because they were canceling NBA games, you know, NHL playoffs were getting canceled. Uh, he came out a few times. I think it was an early, like, March, you know, right when the COVID first started happening. He was like, oh, we're going to make sure it was a, you know, a baseball season, make sure